Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. All right. Speaking of holiday traditions, I will not tell you how many days till Christmas because it is shockingly low. It'll, it'll, yeah, it's, it, that's the exact right reaction. Just a scream. Um, okay, so we, um, as you probably know by now, we said, uh, set out for the year to go through the first five books of the Bible. Um, and like I said, Leviticus was always one that I skipped, right? Um, but anyway, Abby, we say all the time, we take the Bible seriously, not literally, and there's uh, wisdom in that for us. Also, anyone who says they take the Bible literally, they definitely skip this book too. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's wild in there. I don't think you take that literally, but um, go, go off. So, um, so we're in Leviticus. So I'm just going to read this passage, um, and uh, then we're going to talk about it. So this is Leviticus one. This is all about burnt offerings. It's going to get wild. Okay. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. You must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. You are to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on your behalf to make atonement for you. Okay. This is very specific. Taking notes. You are to slaughter the young, okay, the young bull before the Lord, and then Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood, splash it against the sides of the altar at the entrance of the tent of meaning. Okay, we're tracking. Uh, skin the burnt offering, cut it into pieces, um, and then the sons of Aaron, the priests, are to put it, put fire on the altar and arrange the wood. Also, oh, you can't just put the wood, you arrange the wood. And then Aaron's sons shall arrange the pieces, including the head and the fat, on the wood that is burning on the altar. Tell me anyone takes this literally. Okay. You are to wash the... Okay. You know what? We're going to stop there. Um, <clears throat> you get where it's going. So um, part of me why I think, and a lot of people probably skip Leviticus, is it just feels like a bunch of rituals and rules. And they don't make any sense in our context. Um, and I honestly am not going to go so deep into the context and the sense that they make there. Because I don't know. What are y'all doing? Splash and blood? But um, here's what I know to be true, and, and here's what I want to talk about. So we went Genesis... And then we did Exodus, and in Exodus, uh, the Israelites experienced probably everything that you can experience, right? The, the starts out, um, and they are enslaved in Egypt, and then um, they're like, who's going to rescue us? God, do you hear us? And then God sends someone, and then Moses comes, but then it doesn't work right away, so then Moses goes back. So then Moses comes again, and is like, let my people go, and then Pharaoh's like, no, and then all these bad things happen, but then it's good, then they get out, but then they're chased, so then they got to go through the Red Sea. They make it out, but then they're in the wilderness, then Moses disappears, then their leaders are dying, then they're there for for like 40 years, um, and then they make it to a new place. So their experience right now is holding celebration. We made it. Gratitude. We, you know, we, we're not in Egypt anymore. Grief. We lost a lot along the way. Confusion, anxiety, and truly nothing is more relatable. Nothing is more relatable to me right now than holding many, many things true at the same time. There is so much to celebrate. I have so much to be grateful for. Jesus, it was hard to get here. I lost things along the way. I'm also holding grief. I am holding so many things at the same time. I am filled to the brim. Does anyone else feel that? I am so full to the brim. So I'm not a, a crier by nature, or maybe not by nurture. That's a question for my therapist. <laughs> um, but I'm just not a crier. And um, 
This is how I know I'm filled to the brim. I went to the Rose Bowl. I was walking around the Rose Bowl this week, and I saw, like, a grown woman learning how to ride a bike. And I mean, waterworks. It was maybe the most precious, special thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And the person, I don't know who they were to her, like, partner, brother, cousin, or whatever, was, like, behind her, you know, like, and then cheering when she, like, so beautiful, right? Um, and I'm like, why am I crying watching this person learn how to ride a bike? I'm filled to the brim. I need to do something, right? So I'm in therapy, and I'm telling my therapist, like, I just feel filled to the brim. I don't know. I'm holding everything. It's all complicated. It's just giving me anxiety. And she told me, this is the time where you need to get aggressive about your self-care. Like, you need to be aggressive about taking care of yourself. I'm like, okay, aggressive? Um, and she talked about rhythms need to be the, the most rhythmic they've ever been, right? If you were in a season where you're holding all these things, then you have to do something to make space for your life, to allow yourself to not only address them, to move past them, to make space for what's to come next, to make space for something new. I don't even know what narratives that woman had to let go of to be like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to ride this bike, right? I don't know what. I didn't learn when I was a kid. I'm going to learn now, right? But you have to make space for new things to come. And so when we look, when I look at Leviticus, I'm like, yeah, sure, that sounds crazy. Just like take this and put this blood here and do this and arrange it with like this. But I'm like, it's actually not that wild. They're in a season of holding so many things coming out of grief and celebration and gratitude and saying, what can I do to create space to remember something, to create a timestamp, to do something, to move forward, to create some kind of ritual in my life that will help me deal with all of these things. And it doesn't make sense. It makes sense that those were the rituals of that time. Here's what we can control. Here's what we can do. Now we have different rituals. Listen, I joined a CrossFit gym because I was like, you know what I need? I need to feel strong. You know why? Because there are so many things happening in my life, and I need to remind myself that I'm a strong baddie, right? So I'm in this gym, and I'm like doing stuff. You know, that's not how you do it. <clears throat> And walking the Rose Bowl, and drinking water, and journaling, and doing all of these things, doing everything I can, and arranging my life in a way that is going to help me address all of the things that are filling me to the brim to address the grief, the gratitude, the celebration, and to make room for what's next. In that context, that doesn't sound crazy to me. They had all the tools. The only things that they had were like animals and fire. They're like, well, we need to arrange some kind of rhythm about our life that will help us make sense of everything that we just went through. And that redefined for me how I understood offering. Offerings are reminders. Offerings are moments where you say, oh my gosh, okay, on the third day of every month, let's gather around, let's light the fire, let's arrange it in this way, and let's remember that God delivered us from Egypt. Great, and then on the sixth Sunday, let's go around here, and let's do this and do this, and let's remember Moses, and let's do all these things, and that makes sense. I literally, again, was in my therapist, wow, if she's listening, don't charge me. <laughs> this is, uh, um, but I was there, and I'm talking about things that are so hard right now, and hard conversations I don't want to have, and boundaries I don't want to draw, and things I don't want to do, and she's like, this sounds a lot like that conversation we had three years ago, but you did it, and I'm like, you're right. I need the reminder of the time I had the hard conversation, I drew the boundary, I did the thing, and it worked. And if I don't make space to have offerings, to have reminders, to say, oh my gosh, I am a capable human being of doing these things, then I'm going to be wandering in the wilderness even longer. 
Leviticus is not a book about like, here's exactly how to butcher an animal. Leviticus is a book saying, if you get out of the wilderness and you are filled to the brim and you're holding celebration and grief and gratitude, you have to do something to create reminders and rituals around how to move forward and make space for what's next. Is that right? We tracking? Okay. So that is our part. That is our part. And that is the part that took me a long time to learn, right? Because growing up in the church, uh, a lot of what I was told is that God's part is the only part. All you have to do is wake up and be like, God, make me a boundary girly. And then God would be like, sure, (laughs) right? And it took me a long time to realize that my part, there's an interdependence. And my part is around creating offerings which are reminders of the times where not only I did my part, but God did God's part, and we met there in the middle. I can look back as I create these offerings in my life, as I walk around the Rose Bowl, and I'm reminded of these times I didn't think I could make it, and I did. As I'm reminded of these times where I didn't think it would get better, and I did. As I'm reminded of these things that I need to grieve, as I'm watching this woman make space for something new in her life, as I'm doing all of these things, I know that I am doing my part, but in those moments, I am met with God's part. That's the beauty of what we get to do here. I say this all the time, after um, sort of deconstruction and going through all those things, the last thing that I reclaimed was allowing myself to rest in the reality of God's part. I got so obsessed with my part, and it's important. Do the therapy, make the offerings, get the rituals, drink the water, drink water, drink the water. It is so simple, and it really changes your life. And as I say this, I'm still not very good at it. I will forget to drink water for like two days and then put a liquid IV in it and think like, that's got to balance out. Um, I've got to do all these things, but it's not only me, right? We talk about, uh, we used to talk about a lot at New Abbey, um, codependence, and then switched all the way to an independence, but what I'm really after is an interdependence, right? It's not only me. It's not just me powering my way through the world, and I'm going to make it, and I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to put this thing on my back. No, it's me saying I'm going to create the offerings and the rituals and the reminders to remember how strong I am, and God will meet me in that space, and I believe that, and it took me a long time to be able to just believe that. The last thing to get reclaimed in my faith, I think, was that feeling that, hey, I'm not alone, Hey, God's for me. God's with me. I'm not just out here floating on this rock, like, right? (laughs) So when I was um, younger, right, when I was a kid, I grew up in the church. And so I've always had the story that God is with me, God is for me, God will be there with me. And that always was super simple. It was super simple when I was a kid. Um, And then when I became a teenager, it got a little more complicated, right? Because it was like, God's for you unless, you know? Then I'm like, oh, no, not me checking every unless box. Um, (laughs) It's not so simple anymore, right? And then you grow up, and then you, you know, start doing all these things and listening to all these podcasts and reading all these books about the Bible. Um, And then you're like, okay, no, I still believe that I'm included in this faith tradition, but what does that mean about what I used to feel when I was a kid? What does that mean for what I used to do? What does it mean for believing that as I make these offerings and I do that, that I'm meeting with God, that God will meet me in that, right? And there's something beautiful about realizing that I still get to have that. 
I still get to have that. There's a part of me that feels like it's so childish and it's so like, and it's too Christian and it's like so evangelical, but I'm like, what? No, I need that. I literally need that. I get to have it. I want that and I crave that. So I will do my part. I will absolutely confront the trauma. I will confront the things. I will grieve. I will celebrate. I will journal. I will do all the things. And I will sit and I will rest in the reality that God will meet me in that place. God will meet us there. Listen, Call it whatever you want. God, the universe, Mother Moon. You are, we are not alone. And there is something far bigger than us out there that is for us. That we get to create offerings around that we get to meet with. That is so beautiful. I love resting in that. Yes, do your part. But you are not the only one doing your part. You do not have to put the team on your back. And the team is you. Okay. So when I was in middle school, I had um, some CDs because I got my first Walkman, okay? So, um, and I hate that I have to do this, but a Walkman, um, it, <laughs> it's about this big. I had a CD in it, a cord, okay? The headphones had a cord, um, and then you had to hold it very carefully because the CD would literally skip if you, like, tripped and fell, okay? But it was the pinnacle of personal music listening at the time. It was the only way to listen to music by yourself, okay? Um, and so I had my little Walkman and, like, CDs, and my parents, you know, super Christian, so I was only allowed to have worship CDs, except for three. And this is fascinating, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, because not only is it great, but she very aggressively thanked God at the Grammys one year. My parents were like, you could get, you could get that. So, and um, I had the writings on the wall, Destiny's Child, because I think even then, my parents knew. They were like, this is the beginning of something important. And, um, then for some reason, they also let me have Brandy and Monica, The Boy Is Mine, but just the single, like just the, it was a whole CD and it had three songs. It was The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine Instrumental, The Boy Is Mine Acapella. Okay, so I know that song. It's the opening monologue. I know that song inside and out. Uh, but the rest of my CDs uh, were all worship music. And so there was this one um, CD I had. It was um, God's Property. Okay, which was Kirk Franklin's. Okay, one, one God's property. Okay, thank you. Two God's property. Can we get three God's property? Okay, yes. When Stomp came out, my family lost their mind. Like, because we would be somewhere like secular, like at the bowling alley, and then they would be playing Stomp. My parents were like, see? What? See, what? What does this prove? <laughs> my parents were wild. My mom, okay, I have a, this little bit of tangent. I've got a very sweet, kind mom, um, but she was a Mexican mom who loved the Lord. So when I was in high school, she got in my car one time and Ludacris was playing a Ludacris CD. And she literally, you can imagine, hit eject and broke it in half. The sparkles went everywhere. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we've all turned a corner with our... Um, with our faith, she's very nice, a good ally. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I remember thinking like, okay, this is bad, you know, and ludicrous, admittedly, like it would make me uncomfortable today, some of the music I listened to in high school. Okay, that has nothing, what are we talking about? <laughs> so I had a Walkman and, um, and I had this CD, this Kirk Franklin CD. And um, 
I would listen to it in my room, and there was this one song on it. And it was one song, and I would just repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, and there was no repeat button, just so you know, on the Walkman. So the, song, the next song would start, and I'd have to click twice back, okay? Um, I would listen to the song over and over and over, and it just made me feel so good. It made me feel so held. It made me feel like all the things I'm worried about, which is everything, by the way, in middle school um, and now, and all the things I'm worried about, like, it's, it's going to be okay, right? There's a, the, the chorus of the song or the bridge or the lyrics, I don't know, um, say, I know that I can make it, I know that I can stand, no matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. And I just remember being like 11, 12, and being like, how lucky am I that I don't have to worry, that I get to meet, that this God wants to have my life in their hands. What an honor, what a blessing, what a special thing, and it was so calming to me. And then years went by, and I, like, did not listen to that song, and I did not listen to, you know, anything. And then that video came out of Kirk Franklin cussing out a son, and I was like, oh. just pretend I didn't see that. And, um, <clears throat> but a couple weeks ago, I was um, walking around the Rose Bowl again. Okay, this is what I've been doing, okay? I'm like, if I'm going to make it, I need to walk these little steps around the Rose Bowl. And I was just feeling so overwhelmed, and I remember just almost to tears on my walk saying, I just wish I could listen to that song again. And I wish I could feel that way. And then I was like, oh, wait, I can. <laughs> I get to. I also have a magic music machine now in my pocket that is every song I've ever wanted. I can listen to The Boy's Mine. I can listen to anything I want. And so I turn on the song, and I'm walking around. I'm listening. And again, I move to tears because I'm reminded, I get to believe this. I get to have the same kind of audacious faith that I had when I was a kid that, oh my gosh, thank God something is out there looking out for me. Thank God that I'm not alone. Thank God that I'm not out here doing this on myself. Thank God that I know that I will be okay because so far I have made it through every hard day that I have ever had and I don't think I did that on my own. And I get to believe that and of Yes, I will do my part. I will do my part. This is not a magic, raise your hand, come to the front, and everything's gone. No, do your part, and you will be met in that work. And that is beautiful. And so sometimes we need to be, like, about our work hardcore, and sometimes we just get to rest in the reality that God is for us. We get to rest in that reality. We get to do that. We get to have that. We get to believe that, you know what? No matter what comes my way, I will make it because I'm not doing this alone. I don't have to put the team on my back. And I believe that God is for me. That's such a special reminder. So my friends are going to come up, and we're actually going to sing this song. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what do you say? <laughs> the boy, yeah, the boy is mine. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Brandy, who wants to be Monica. <laughs> I was looking for somebody named, well, you know his name. You guys know, okay. Um, I'm telling you, top to bottom, I know that song. Acapella, instrumental, and the original version. So we're gonna sing the song, and here's my invitation to us. If you, like me, feel absolutely filled to the brim, remember and remind yourself, think about the offerings and the reminders that you can create to hold the gratitude, the grief, and all of it. But then in this moment, I would invite us just to rest in the reality that we're, we don't have to do it alone. That we get to rest in the reality that God will meet us 
as we go on our journey. That we get to remember the times where God has met us before in our journey. And maybe it looked different and we believe different, but we still get to have that. So we're going to sing the song and then we'll come back together.
Thank them one more time. Imagine having friends where you're like, so I have this song. Um, and truly, as I thought about it, that song is, is so much of, of the message this morning. You, we, I um, get to rest in that. I will set up the offerings as a reminder that I have done it before. I could do it again, but I didn't have to do it alone. Um, and that's, that's it, right? That's our part meeting God's part. Um, and that's beautiful, right? And that's what they were doing. Um, as odd as it seems today in the book of Leviticus to say, there's so many things that just happened to us. How can we set up some rituals and rhythms as a reminder of what God has done to meet God, to have God meet us, and to figure out what is next and create space for the next thing to come? And that is beautiful, and that is so relatable. And that's what we get to do every day, every week, as we go throughout our lives, right? So... Um, you're going to grab those same three or four people and um, talk about this question. What's one offering you participate in this week? Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.